Actually, I read a I read a really good study on that that uh, indicates there is apparently no ancient Chinese curse in any Chinese literature suggesting that may you live to see interesting times is a Chinese curse. It was apparently it originated in the United States. Interesting. Uh, but we credited it to China. Once more under the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome back to another exciting second hour of the Personal Wealth Coach. Well, it's the first second hour, but it's the second hour, so it's not really another exciting second but hour. But it's not the first second hour because we've been doing this for like 20 years. True. It is another second hour if you think of it that way. Yeah, it's the it's the lot really big number second hour. We can count to two, and that's the limit. So we just keep calling it a second one, even though right. this is somewhere it's, up in the very large number of digits. Yes, it's mm-hmm. it's two is higher math. Yes. yes. At the end of the last hour, we talked about capacity utilization a little bit, and if you think of this from the old Star Trek, not the new generation, but Scotty in the back saying the engine's given all she can. It's given all she can, Captain. That's capacity utilization. When you cannot run an engine harder than it is being run, it is at 100 and sometimes more than 100% utilization. How can you be more than 100%? Well, you're actively damaging the equipment to do it. 100% is the safety margin. Uh, If you're actively damaging your equipment to go faster, then you're way up there. Our 100% for the economy is really in the low 80s, 80%. If you sit at 80% for a long period of time, things start to break. And before the Great Recession, the global financial crisis uh, that really started in December of 2007, we went about four years running at 80%. And the whole time... I'm going to have to dig back through our archives. We're saying that we're running too fast. We're running too hard. We haven't had a recession since the year 2000. Uh, we really, really need to see our capacity utilization come down because we're going to break stuff. We're not able to replace things. They're being used too much. Then we had leading up to the pandemic recession, which was ultra quick, but ultra severe. We had the same drop We had a much greater drop in capacity utilization during that than we did for the Great Recession. And the Great Recession, to get to the bottom of our capacity capacity utilization, took us almost a full year. Where in the pandemic recession, it took us one month to go down from uh, in the upper 70s to way down to 64, which is phenomenally low. That means 64% of what we're capable of doing was being done. Now, we started recovering quickly. Then starting around March of 2022, we hit that 80% number and we glided along up there until October of 2022. Why is that number important? That's also the bottom of the market. The market was saying, hey, we can't keep at this speed forever. We haven't replaced the stuff we needed to replace Supply chain issues are still a major problem. Interest rates started going up at a higher rate than normal. So they started up in July. And our capacity utilization came down. We're now running, according to, again, this is economic research from the St. Louis Fed, otherwise called by them, FRED. And we like that they've given their statistics a name. I mean, if you're going to give 
names to major storms and hurricanes. You might as well give it to economic statistics. And Fred says we're now running at about 79% capacity. Now, not that long ago, we were up in the 80, 81 area. So we've come down a bit. Those are the layoffs that you have seen in the tech side. What does that have to do with anything? Well, it means that we're not running our engine at break the engine speed anymore. 80% is break the engine speed. We've come down from that. And you, you were saying this at the end of last hour. If you're running at 100 miles an hour and you slow down to 60, it looks like you're, you're slowing down. This is bad for the economy. If you're running at faster than you should be running, if you're driving faster than the speed limit, coming down to the speed limit is not necessarily a recession. It's, this is a comfortable speed that isn't going to break the system. Now, here's the big if. If the Federal Reserve raises interest rates too far, that's going to make our capacity utilization drop substantially. If we get a really, really uptick, a big uptick in fighting in Ukraine and nukes get popped. Our capacity utilization may go up, but our economy is going to slow down anyway. There's some weirdness that happens with wars uh, where our utilization goes up, but people aren't being paid as much as they would normally be to do the same work uh, because everybody goes in for a war effort. It tends to lead to a big boom later. And man, there was a pun in there. War leads to a big boom. Yep. I didn't mean to do that one. That was just that was just a handy pun that happened anyway. Anyway, capacity utilization is something we used to talk about quite a lot. Um, since the pandemic, uh, it took us till April of 2022 to get back up to where we were pre-pandemic. Uh, and that's now we're running a little bit lower than that. We bought a lot of equipment. There's a lot of investment that's taken place in the last 12 months that's also causing our capacity utilization to come down. If you have three machines and they're putting out a certain number of products and you're running them as fast as you can to get those products out and you add a fourth machine and you lower the amount on those three machines, you just bring them back down a little bit, you're still making more things than you were before, but you're utilizing your capacity less. You have more room to utilize. And so we're beginning to see that occur. This is good news for the economy. It means we're not breaking stuff to keep up with demand. Uh, the other big news on that subject is China's now ramping up its output at a pace that is really hard to have ever seen in the past. I don't see at any point in the past where capacity utilization has been increased at the speed that they're doing it in China which has some dangers for China. If they do it too fast, they're going to break stuff. Uh, but there's good news on our end and that prices are coming down. Now, in the middle of that, and I know I'm taking up a lot of the first part of this program, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal that talks about uh, a speech that Janet Yellen, the Secretary of Treasury, the, the last Fed chairperson before Powell. Um, and her biggest quote that comes out of this is that security comes before economy in the U.S.-China relationship. So expect more issues with China to come up in the near future, that they're coming online and they're producing a lot of things. Over the last three years, much of what they've been producing internally in China that's been leaking out to everywhere else has been intellectual property theft 
at a high, high magnitude, like we have not seen for 30 years coming out of China. So that means that a lot of manufacturers are leaving China. And as they leave China, their products are still being made in China by Chinese people with their new logo on them. And that's going to be a big issue when it comes to diplomacy. It's not a long-term issue. And I know I'm covering a lot of stuff here. The reason why it's not a long-term issue is that the pace at which people are leaving, companies are leaving China, is accelerating right now not slowing down, which means that more and more Chinese companies are doing the intellectual property theft, which is causing more and more companies outside of China to say, no way in a very hot place are we ever going to go back to China for manufacturing. When we say our business is done, they just steal our stuff. So there's some other things happening that are both good and bad that are not normal things. We're going through really interesting times and that's an ancient Chinese curse. Well, <laughs> may you live really. to see interesting times. Actually, I read a, I read a really good study on that that uh, indicates there is apparently no ancient Chinese curse in any Chinese literature suggesting that may you live to see interesting times is a Chinese curse. It was apparently it originated in the United States. Interesting. Uh, but we credited it to China. It's kind of like the, the Spanish flu, the 1918 flu, which we call the Spanish flu. It actually was first noted at Fort Riley, Kansas. But for some reason or other, we chose to call it the Spanish flu because during the Spanish troops were the first ones to be stricken severely by it during World War I that was reported. Actually, American troops probably brought it there and nobody still knows where it came from. But thank, it's, thank you for for. Yeah, the, I'm now looking at a site that says that the the closest thing to a Chinese curse is better to be a dog in times of tranquility than a human in times of chaos. Yes, so which doesn't doesn't that's not easy translation. Come to, either. Yeah, I want to talk about the dollar, and we got a question from Roger about that. He said he was getting ready to ask. Thanks, Roger. There are there have been we've been at this long enough to see many many times that the dollar has been. Uh, denigrated and people want to say it's no longer going to be the world reserve currency. But let me give you some facts here. By the way, the, 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 the world is dividing right now. It's dividing very, very distinctly. Uh, we used to have a division in the world during the Cold War where we had the, quote, communists on one side and you had the, um, I guess, the free marketers on the other side. But the Western world, the, the liberal democracies, they were called on one side and the communists on the other. Now we have a world that is dividing into into two camps. One is autocracy, which are dictatorships and things very much like dictatorships, and democracies, which is the other side of that. And we are the leading uh, proponent of democracy, representative democracy. And China is, and to a lesser degree, Russia are the leading proponents of anti-democracy. In other words, having a centrally controlled government where people are told what to do and when to do it, by a uh, leader who is chosen by a small group of people who, are, who chose it, who chose himself. Um, and there's this division is going on. And it's probably a good idea to recognize that the folks on the um, democracy side tend to have some respect for the truth, uh, not because necessarily they're more moral than someone else, but because in a democracy, if you lie, you're likely to be caught at it. The autocracy side just makes things up as it goes along, uh, just as uh, it's called propaganda. 
the Nazis did it. The, um, the, the, the folks who like to have a strong person at the head of government who tells everybody else what to do without necessarily that person being legally elected, um, tend to like to, uh, those governments tend to like to shape things the way they want to see them and publish them that way. And, and the, in a democracy, it's generally the reverse of that. So, but here's the thing about the dollar, a couple of very significant issues here. These are very fundamental issues. The United States of America creates 58% of the gross domestic product of the world. Get that number in your head. There's other people who come up with um, other ways of measuring it, saying that your local buying power and uh, proportionality and all of that kind of stuff, it ain't so. But it's just simple fact. When we look at the value of the output, the net value of the output, minus inflation, minus uh, the uh, import, the, the deficit of trade, that really isn't there. We produce 58% of the value created on the planet. The Chinese, the, the huge Chinese population and the second largest economy in the world produces 18%. Get your mind around that. It gets more interesting. There's been a number of publications, there's been a number of numbers that are thrown out and they get publicized and then they get republicized and they get re-republicized. And if you follow back to their origin, it's generally coming out of Russia or China. The numbers are, are factual, but they're misleading. Uh, theoretically, the dollars, the, the number of dollars held as reserve in official central banks in the world has dropped 11% since 2020. Uh, well, yeah, that's probably true. And what's happened is a lot of countries have diversified the reserve holdings. So now they're using some Korean money and they're using some euros and they may be using some yuan or renminbi, which is the same, which both mean Chinese money. The Chinese have set aside sort of a fund that they're using to use for exchange with countries like Russia so that they don't have to, they're not using dollars to buy things from Russia anymore. They're using yuan. Uh, and as re the Russians have tried to diversify themselves out of the dollar. And it's very convenient for the Russians to do that because we're not allowing them to buy things very much with the dollar. So they're buying more things from China. So their reserve currency is becoming more and more yuan. Is the yuan likely to replace the dollar? No. In order for the reserve currency of the world to be something other than dollars. That currency, first off, has to have a large enough presence in the world to be the money of the world. And secondly, is on a complete free market basis. In other words, supply and demand will be the pure setter of the value, which is where the dollar is today. We export dollars. Now, we call that a negative balance of trade, but we've had a negative balance of trade for so long and it's been so huge that if it really were a negative balance of trade in the traditional term of balance of trade, we would be bankrupt. Instead, we are the wealthiest nation on the planet and our wealth is growing faster in absolute terms than any other nation on the planet, despite the fact that theoretically we're draining our treasury. Not true. We manufacture something and we can manufacture as much of it as we want to manufacture. It's called dollars. We have a quality control system called the Federal Reserve that is outside of political control, whose job is to maintain a high value to the dollar. That's their number, that's job one, job number one for them. And they do a really good job of it. And as a result, the dollar retains its value better than any other currency on the planet. It can maintain its value better than anything else on the planet. Um, and so, yes, we have seen a decline 
in the number of a, in in the percentage of the official holdings of government banks, central banks around the world in dollars, primarily because China, primarily because Russia has decided not to hold a lot of dollars. They have spent those dollars buying things, by the way, and there's no new dollars flowing in. But let me take this another step forward. The Bank for International Settlements' latest triennial, triennial FX survey. I know that's a mouthful. Foreign exchange survey. The U.S. dollar share of all currency turnover, transactions internationally, in other words, has climbed from 85% in 2010 to 88% last year. 88% of the international transactions on the planet are done using dollars. The purpose, one of the stated purposes of Bitcoin and, and the cryptocurrencies that followed was to have a free market monetary system that wasn't controlled by any government. However, if you want to know how much a Bitcoin is worth, what do you say? Do you say it's worth so many yuan? It's worth so many chickens? No, you tell you say how many dollars it's worth. And this it is this is true gone beyond that. Yeah, it's true in Europe, it's true in the UK, it's true in China. Major things are measured in dollars because it's the international currency. It's the thing you'll likely be buying or selling in on the international stage. And China is the one who is making the biggest noises. And it relates to what Jake was just talking about, about what's going on in China. And they're trying to surge their economy forward right now. China would certainly love to have the yuan as the reserve international currency as long as they can dictate exactly how much it's worth. And they're not going to be there because they don't want to export it from China. They are the ones that dictate its value in China. There isn't a foreign exchange that deals in yuan because and the Chinese get, don't let it. One of the reasons they're not going to allow this to happen, they're not going to do it this way, has been represented by the Japanese. The Japanese made a huge effort over the last several months to change the value of the yen. They're trying to lower the value of the yen or raise the value of the yen. They spent literally trillions of dollars buying yen, trying to raise the value of the yen up a little bit. The yen didn't move. Why didn't it move? Because the world economy is just too big for any nation to go out there and dictate the value of their currency on international exchange. The the the, con the the transactions that are going on around the world every day dwarf the U.S. economy. They dwarf anything else that's going on anywhere else in the world. The, there's a market that sets the value for international currency, and it is the world economy. The dollar is going to remain the international standard for value until we decide it's not. Yeah. The United States is the only entity with sufficient power to damage the value of the dollar. Now, the House of Representatives is making, there's some people in the House of Representatives who really want to do that. Uh, I don't think that's their prime intent, but that's the end result. Uh, and that The only threat that I have seen to date to the dollar is uh, a minority in the Republican Party in the House of Representatives right now. Now, why do I say that? Well, because if the United States fails to pay its bills in dollars. We set the value of the dollar and we have run up some bills. We, the Congress passed laws that said, Treasury, you must spend this money to do this and you must spend that money to do that by law. And so we spent the money and the bill comes due. And if Congress then says you can't pay the bill, that will definitely lower the credibility of the dollar and the dollar will fall. And we haven't been there and let's hope we never go there. Uh, the, there was an article in, in the, uh, I think it was either in the Economist or, or the the Times, or not Times, but of the uh, the Financial Times of, of London, 
that about that recently, and it was kind of interesting. The members of the House of Representatives who said, you either are going to meet our demands or we will basically kill the dollar, we'll kill the economy, can't come up with what their demands are. Um, they haven't set their demands. The The Speaker of the House came up with some demands and he's not a, unable to get his caucus to agree on them. It's possible the House of Representatives could blow up the dollar because they want to blow up the dollar. And I would hope they wouldn't do that. And I would hope that we wouldn't support them in doing that. It's, um, it's, it's, it is potentially as damaging as Brexit was to England and Brexit has done horrible damage to the United Kingdom. Um, but the dollar has been entrenched since World War II as the standard of value on the planet. And it is absolutely the standard of value. That's the bottom line to it. Uh, that the, the Saudis don't like it. Any place that there is not a democracy, they don't like it. Even the Europeans don't like it. They would prefer to have the European Union. But there's no place else that has a huge economy with its independent uh, central bank that is maintaining quality control on anything. And it isn't going to change. There's no thing big enough out there to change it. Uh, if the United States, for example, if it wasn't for the fact that our productivity is growing faster than any other nation, any other major economic entity on the planet, if it wasn't for the fact that we have maintained stability better than any other nation on the planet, if it wasn't for the fact that uh, our economy is growing faster than any other nation on the and on the planet, and our population even continues to grow, there could be an argument that the dollar's doom was in sight. But all of those negative things I just said apply to other countries, not to us. The dollar, despite the fact that a lot of people don't like it that way, including a number of people in the United States, they would just they don't like the idea of the United States being a great power. Uh, they think it's evil or something, and it's on the left and on the right. The dollar has no alternative in the world to its dominance in the world. And that, by the way, is a wonderful thing for us. We can spend more money than we take in as taxes and taxes tremendously amounts of more money without creating a negative effect on our economy because we export a quality item that we manufacture in the United States that is our largest single export, and it doesn't count as an export when they do the balance of trade, which is the dollar. It has a value intrinsic to itself. Uh, the last time that happened in the history of the world was Rome, and it worked really well for them. Well, there, there was one other time. The what pieces of eight from the Spanish became the universal currency after the new world was plundered. In fact, that's why we had bits in the United States currency, because you could take a piece of eight and break it into eight bits. Uh, it didn't it last based, real long. It though. didn't last long, though. But that, that was the last time it happened, and it only happened because there was so much of it, and the quality of the gold was so much better than other countries' quality of golds because they and had so much had more. Immediately followed by a massive drop in the value of gold because there was so much of it. Correct. And that we haven't actually seen the value of gold recover from that time period. It's still. And by the way, as below. you mentioned, that's going to happen again. Yeah. And this is the other subject I wanted to bring up on the sub on while we're on that subject. Uh, and people have been talking about going to gold because gold beats inflation. There's not a lot, not a lot of correlation with that, by the way. There's when you look at it from a statistical standpoint, gold is not a good inflation hedge. Uh, it's just inconsistent what was it 2018 there was an asteroid that passed within the orbit of the moon uh that close that had more platinum on it than has ever been discovered combined 
on Earth. Uh, there are gold asteroids that are also way up there in that level. Heavy metal tends to congregate in the center of a planet because it's heavy. And when a planet blows up, it sends out a lot of stuff, but the heavy metal sends, tends to stick together. So we have known gold quantities and platinum quantities in space right now. And this week is another event that took place that could have long-term impacts on the economy, and that is the Starship took off from Boca Chica, uh, Texas, and then promptly blew up uh, after four minutes of flight. But that's okay, according to SpaceX. They like to test to destruction a lot of times. Um, they're one of dozens of companies who have every intention of going up and mining those things way up high. Uh, although you can't really call it high once you leave orbit because it's gravity's important when you're talking about which way up is. So those asteroids that are floating out there are going to get captured and brought back to the planet, hopefully in a controlled manner, because if they do it uncontrolled, we could have major problems. What is that going to do to the cost of gold, the price of gold, if they can bring back more platinum, more gold in a year than we have brought out of the ground in the last hundred years? And that's lowball. That's because if they bring back a big enough asteroid and just sit it in orbit up there and just set up a mining facility that brings stuff down they make the station on the asteroid this is well within the realms of reason this is not reaching when you have rockets as big as they're producing right now it's gonna happen and it's all downhill from there yeah it's a lot easier to bring it from up there to down below towards the sun towards the earth it's it's you have to have good breaks though yeah so what what does that mean a lot of the things that People think of this is always the case. You know, you know, why would somebody do that? It'd take them months to get out to the asteroid. The conditions are harsh and dangerous. Why would they what they have to leave the normal safety of our planet? And I would like to bring back the 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 word that was used to talk about North and South America. It was called the New World. And it took months and very harsh and dangerous conditions to get over there when there's a big enough incentive people do it anyway uh, and they do it in mass because if there's a big enough incentive and it's high risks you can come back with really high profits what that does to the rest of the world you know the gold miners across spain and europe took it on the chin when the ships started coming back with their holds absolutely bursting with with gold and there was a period of about a hundred years that every ship that came back every major ship that came back from the new world was just bursting at the seams sometimes literally and sank to the bottom because they had too much gold that destroyed the demand and the supply balance that had existed for hundreds of years before that well now we've gone hundreds of years with a certain balance and it's not that far in the future that we're going to see that balance be broken uh, it's just important to recognize especially if you think that for some reason gold has some benefit against inflation if they bring back a lot of it it's not going to hold its value the same way it's just important stuff um and there's a, more around that starship going up because it's opening up a whole new area of finding things that would have been exorbitantly expensive in the past we had another question from roger about why is the cost of diesel relatively low right is now is that roger or alan because uh, i've got one from alan that's also about it's probably diesel prices. it's probably alan it's probably yeah. alan i'm okay. sorry um, 
there's a really good reason the cost of diesel. By the way, the cost of diesel is higher than it has been for the last decade or so. Still, although it is coming down. Well, it's coming down for a couple of really good reasons, several really good reasons. Number one, as we go into spring and summer, diesel is produced at its ba- diesel and heating oil are in essence the same thing. And during the winter, we use a lot of heating oil. And so the distillates that come out of the same plants that produce diesel are used to heat houses. Well, it's not winter anymore. It's We're coming into spring when there was lower usage. So there is typically a drop this time of year anyway. There's, There's a, another really good long-term reason. I was going to put a quick refining reason on top of there. Go ahead. Diesel requires more layers of refining, particularly when we don't want to have sulfur in it or other things right. that we've said, this is really bad for the rest of us. So there's a greater lag effect in diesel from the price of oil at the barrel. Gasoline is a really quick distillation process compared to diesel. Didn't used to be, it is now. Uh, And that means that you see the price at the pump come down quicker for gasoline than you do for diesel. The same is true in the other direction. Diesel tends to rise slower in price than gasoline. So there's a bit more of a lag. There's a there's a really big reason, and one and the really big reason is. the European Union is one of the three big economies in the world. And the European Union has effectively put a deadline, has effectively banned the creation of automobiles that use diesel as fuel. And they're hammering down on the trucks at the same time. Uh, so in the long term, we are seeing companies and everybody switching, the, the manufacturers switching over to using something other than diesel to drive things down the road, which is going, which lowers demand. But we still have the same number of refineries producing diesel. Um, last but not least, one of the reasons diesel is coming down is because the price of oil has come down a lot. Oil was over $100 a barrel 10 months ago. It's $70-some a barrel today in the United States. And that is the primary driving factor in the cost of diesel is the is the cost of crude oil. And since crude oil has come down dramatically, it's reasonable to assume that the price of distillates, whether it's gasoline or diesel, will come down at the same time. Again, though, it's important to remember with diesel up in the $4 and something cent range, uh, Traditionally, it has been in the $3, the $2 range, and it probably will get back there again. It's a temporary thing. Uh, it shot up when um, oil exports from uh, Russia were largely uh, banned. However, the news came out this week, and I think it's fascinating. Saudi Arabia is apparently buying oil. Now, Saudi Arabia, get, get this. Saudi Arabia, one of the world's largest oil producers and exporters, is buying oil from Russia. Did you get that? Yep. A lot of oil from Russia, so they can resell it at a higher price. Uh, the fact that a low-cost source of oil has appeared in the market that we shut out of the market. Uh, and by the way, the Saudis are not paying uh, the Russians in yuan. They're paying in dollars, which is why they get a big discount, which takes us back to the last subject. The Russians are dollar-starved right now, and uh, despite the fact they don't like the fact that the dollar is, is dominant, it is. And so that's why the price of the diesel is coming down. Uh, what else do we have? We have lots of stuff. Um, uh, one of the things that I picked up from the economist, um, is that, uh, in our inflation push in the United States, a lot of our vehicles are way overpriced compared to what they were a decade or two ago. 
uh, a Ford F-250 can easily get up to $85,000 as a new product. Um, and there are people that say, hey, I just need a pickup. I just need to work on the ranch. Something odd that's been going on is that these tiny little pickup trucks are getting import- imported from Japan and they're cheap. So, so there's a lot of people that talk about you know buying an off-road utility vehicle, a side-by-side or a quad or a golf cart, and they run in the twenty to thirty-five thousand dollar range. So these little pickups from Japan are getting brought in from companies that have been kind of slowly disappearing in Japan. They're getting a big resurgence because a lot of people in the United States recognize that the price point is good on them. They don't go very fast. They don't have airbags. Uh, there's a whole bunch of safety features that aren't in them that are in a normal pickup truck. But if you're using it to pedal about in a small village or uh, go across your farm and you have the ability to push a button and the bed turns into a dump truck, it actually dumps the stuff out for you. And the prices, even with import, are below what you would pay for some kind of an off-road vehicle that used to be ultra cheap that is suddenly not ultra cheap anymore. It's pretty important to know this. It means that there is a niche that's opened up in American manufacturing that's not being covered. It means that businesses going into this could immediately be able to compete with the big side-by-sides out there. Um, This sort of thing shows us where we haven't expanded correctly in our own economy, Uh, that there is a niche for manufacturing that is not being filled here. And it's not a small niche. It's a big niche that there's a lot of people that drive around in the rural world, in golf carts and in uh, ATVs that are, or side-by-sides, mules and so on. And the demand for them has skyrocketed, which has caused the companies that make them to have to raise the prices. Just an interesting little observation rather than a, a deep dive that there are still places in the American economy that we're not providing what the demand is asking for. The supply chain has changed, but the supply chain in this unique area didn't exist to begin with. So we we have some opportunities and there's constantly those available. That's partly why we look at the future in an optimistic framework is that we tend to expand into those niches when we know that they're available as in the American economy. And we're about out of time. This is the Personal Wealth Coach with Jeff and Jake McClure. Uh, This is the personal wealth coach, and we do make uh, other statements than really bad puns about songs. Uh, We are uh, a a finance program, as you would probably guess from the personal wealth coach being our title. The personal wealth coach is not just the title of the program. It's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. All right. Well, does that mean that the SEC likes us? What would you say to that, sir? I would say that the SEC is professionally dislikes almost everyone. Right. That is no implication of the SEC's approval just because we're registered with them. Why is the radio program and the firm named the same thing? Because we have to give this disclosure no matter what it is, and it's less disclosurable. It takes less time to do if it's just the same name. So we've been doing this program here uh, on this stu- in, on this station, fourteen hundred AM in Temple, since nineteen ninety six, we've been doing this a long time, and 
we haven't been paid for it ever. Uh, we also yeah. have not ever paid for it. So we've been doing this a long, long time, and the whole idea is education. We do advertise as a firm for on the studio, uh, on the channel, for this radio program. We don't actually advertise for our firm. We're advertising for the radio program. So what we're saying is that this is educational, and we do occasionally get business from it, but our purpose here is truly education. That being said, it's not advice. Advice would be if I knew who you were, if the other bald guy, Jeff, knew who you were, and we were able to have a private conversation with you about things in your best interest versus broadcasting to everyone. So we're going to be talking about education, which is why we do the program to begin with. So those two disclosures are really one. And having said that, do you deem to tell us another disclosure? Yes. The information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. And he really can't get through the week without that. I think right. uh, if you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually give individually, uh, individually crafted and customized advice based on what people are trying to achieve. That's generally and portfolio management and portfolio management. And that's generally for people with higher net worths, but we make exceptions occasionally. Um, and so you can contact us locally voicemail available during the weekend, but actual real live people, no phone tree during the week at 254-947-1111. You can reach that line tool free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. And I think it's important to note that we're an independent fiduciary firm. We don't work for a corporation. We only work for our clients. Right. Exactly. Uh, you can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. There's a contact form. You can use emails, Jeff or Jake at tpwc.com. There are uh, recordings of the radio program going back years, newsletters going back decades, uh, and you can find us wherever podcasts are given. Um, thank you very much for listening on a nice Saturday morning. And until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach. <laughs>